On Second Shot, we tackle two new headlines every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And we want you to be a part of that. When you see a headline you want to take a second shot at, or if you're looking for advice, or just want to tell us what you think of the show, email us at secondshotcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, rate us on iTunes. This helps us move up in the ratings so more people will see us. And if you want to hear more, subscribe to the show so that the new episodes will get straight to you every single Friday. We love you. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Heath Oaks is a millennial mogul whose ignorance on fire led him to fail his way to success. Jenny Anchando is an Emmy award-winning journalist whose sharp eye and biting wit have led to her storied career in television. Together, they tackle today's headlines in a way only an odd couple with a dash of perfect opposite can. So kick back, relax, and join the conversation. This is Second Shot with your hosts, Heath and Jenny. No, your ears are not deceiving you. This is Heath Oaks. I'm back in the studio with the beautiful co-host, my wife. Jenny and Chanda, what's up? Oh my gosh. Well, it's been a minute since it, we've been in studio together. It seems like forever. I know. I, people are excited. They've been asking about you. I haven't been able to hold it down quite like you can. Oh, no. I haven't been able to do the Heathisms. I don't have the accent. That's because you're too smart. Acumen. See, smart people can't get on our level. You know, you just, <laughs> smart people can't get on our level and, and, and know what it's like to have to make up words when you don't oh know Oh my it, gosh. You know? Well, this episode is, is truly one of a kind. One, I think, for... It will be for the second shot history books, and people will understand why in a while. This one I've been excited about and talking yeah. about for a while now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'll throw a teaser. It's going to be a two-part. Okay. Oh. This will be a two-part, okay. everybody. Um, we will have a, a episode now. Then there will be some really big news revealing on the second one next week as well that pertains to this as well. But I do want to welcome Sandra Irwin to the podcast studio. What's up, Sandy? Thank you. And I called her Sandy. She asked me to call her Sandy. I called her You're Sandra You're not being forever. disrespectful. I'm not. She asked me, and I'm doing that, right? <laughs> yes, thank you. Okay. You guys call her Sandra. Yeah. He'll call her Sandy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I want to do today is we're going to give you some uh, kind of a background of, of Sandy, who she is, and 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 what they did to where um, if you're looking for um, – you know, you're teetering between, do I take that leap of faith into um, my own thing? Or maybe it's not even your own business, but maybe it's a career change. Or maybe um, you want to take a leap in personals. I hope that when you get in here in um, Sandy's, um, Bob and Sandy's story, that um, maybe taking a leap, uh, maybe it, it talks you off of taking a leap because you can hear some of the struggles that happens when you do it. Um, but maybe it helps you take the leap because you can see the rewards later down the line. And then also the story of redemption and, and that when you take those leaps, everything's not, you know, pretty roses and flower gardens. There's things that happen and mm-hmm. um, you got to, um, you know, come back from it. And you've got to, you know, tighten up your bootlaces and move on. And so um, you're going to get both of that in this story. You're going to, you're going to hear the redemption yeah. story. You're going to hear the take a leap story. Um, and I'm just so glad that you actually said yes. And you didn't like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> Sandy's I thought not, she was going to deny yeah. you. Sandy's not, Sandy's not the one that likes to be in the limelight. She's not like the, uh, I want to be in center stage, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so to give you a background, uh, in 1973, Bob and Sandy met. They both grew up in Arkansas but didn't know each other then. Um, Bob was, a at 40 years old, a very successful national vice president of sales for Amco Oil, um, which 
most right, anybody and everybody would say a great career so far, successful on the up and up. Um, interesting enough that Bob saw around and saw that other people that at 50, 55, they were pushing them out. And he said, this is something I don't want to go down. And so um, when he started in 1974, about a year after they met, um, we're in the insurance business, said, hey, you heard about the insurance business and said he can kind of create his own deal, right? Like your, your 1099, 100% commission to where you're not going to be relying on them as much. Um, then he moved to Dallas and Sandy got transferred from IBM down uh, to Dallas. And in 1975, they were married. 1976, um, unfortunately, they figured out that uh, they were getting taken advantage of by some people in the insurance business. Sounds familiar, like it did with mm -hmm. me, but led me to Colonial. And um, they got their own agency with that at that point. Um, 19, that's when National Family Care Marketing Associates was formed at that point. In which year? In 1976. Mm -hmm. 1979, a new president was hired of that insurance company, came down and, and walked into Sandy Nim's house, and Sandy said, uh, um, I think he's not going to like us. He's going to think we're making too much, right? Yes. And uh, he goes, the writing's on the wall here, and things started getting tricky and kind of hairy. Just things were weird. So they started going down the path in 1981. Um, and this is uh, the funniest part about it is that uh, my wife can relate a lot to the, the anxiety that Sandy going mm -hmm. through here because she can parallels in our life is that um, they just go out and take the biggest loan y'all ever had on a house, mm -hmm. your dream home, this huge, nice, you know, and interest rates are what, like 18% back then? Yes. Um, which Sandy was already like, what are we doing? Can we afford mm -hmm. this? Um, and <laughs> um, then they go right after that, within a year, Bob says, uh, we're going to start our own insurance company. So they go and they get a loan to start the, their own insurance company, walk away um, from the other insurance company after just getting in the house that Sandy was already nervous mm -hmm. about, um, but took off 1981. They formed the insurance company. Now, uh, 19, by 1991, 10 years later, the insurance company is over 20 million in assets, four to five million in sales, and over 15 million in revenue in just the next 10 year period. Um, they obviously were able to keep making those house payments. That was nice. <laughs> um, and then things were rocking along. You know, you name it. They they had NFC farms, uh, lots of race horses. They had restaurants. They had everything was going good. 1994, um, Bob was brought into a deal where um, a lot of people, when you look, there was tons of meetings, tons of lawyers involved. Everything was great. Took the reserves of the insurance company. It was going to make good money for the insurance company. It was going to be an escrow um, that was toward the end of 94. It was only supposed to be in there a couple months and they'd have their reserves back. Um, January 1995, they realized they had been taken advantage of in a Ponzi scheme um, that got millions from many people all over Dallas and, and all over many places that was taken down. Just one of the, you know, it's like 80s and 90s were like the breeding ground for Ponzi schemes yes, back was. then. Mm -hmm. It was like mm -hmm. one after another. Um, and so January 95 was when they realized that money was gone. Um, in May 1995, unfortunately, Bob had a heart attack and passed away. Um, and so you had Sandy sitting there with, um, um, you know, the all of the backup and reserves in the insurance company gone. Um, her husband, lover, life, business partner, gone. Uh, everything where most people could sit there and throw in the towel, right? Mm -hmm. um, to where Sandy was able to boot 
you know, strap up and now you, what, 25 years later and the company is still in business and yes. still rocking and rolling. So um, that there's obviously a ton of things um, inside this story, but I wanted to give the snapshot rundown and yeah. I wanted to bring up um, one of the pieces that would lead to kind of my first question with it is that um, <laughs> it's so great that my wife will have a lot of relations in this is that um, when they wanted to buy the house, they needed $25,000 down. Yes. And um, Sandy said, Bob, we're not, we don't have that. Bob sat down and showed Sandy how he could personally sell this many products a night that could equate to him getting that down payment. And Sandy was like, hey, you got all these salespeople, you got training. So when in the world are you going to be able to personally sell those in order to get that? And he's like, I'm going to do it at night. Um, so late at night, he has a five policies a night, and he was like, I work, he, you know, the, the he typical Heath Oaks way of the napkin, you know, business plan versus <laughs> yes. the legit, like, Harvard-style deal. Um, but uh, by August, did he have 25000 down? Yes, he did. He had the $25,000 down. <laughs> and I love that, right? Like, I, I know I'm going to go sell these five pieces, yeah. and, and, and I'm going to go get it, and they're going to get that, um, that down payment. Um, you know, I, I guess that when I look at it and I go back to the, the first big pivotal jump of a very successful career, executive with a big company that could, yes. you know, it, it was what most people would say, the dream. Right. Thanks for life. Yeah. If yeah. you're 40 years old and in that position, you are killing it. Yes. Um, and he takes the leap and, and the move and y'all were new uh, together and everything in that. What? What did you, what was going through your mind of him leading that to do this? Was it ever a hesitation of what if, or, or did you think he was crazy or did you like it or did it scare you, etc.? Well, it scared me yeah. because I'm really a numbers person. Yeah. So I like to have the security of a job, but I also <laughs> knew that he had a great sales personality and I had faith in him that he could do what he felt like he could do. Yeah. And so it was an anxiety, but yet also belief. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that are listening that probably under you that work in insurance and understand it, but I think it's important. I've learned that this is important to explain the difference between an agency and a company yeah. so that people understand the gravity of what you were doing. Um, either one of you can explain it. I guess by now I should be able to explain it too, but... So, so an agency, um, you think about it in the a car dealership sense. This is where most people can understand right. car dealership, Clay Cooley, Chevrolet or Bob, whatever Chevrolet. Okay. Clay Cooley owns that building and he has the payroll for those people. Um, and, and, and for that lot, right? However, Chevy is the corporate that builds the trucks that actually is the one liable building the trucks and and and, and when the warranties are out like like when the cars tear up clay cooley's not eating um that cost of that engine replacement that was under warranty that's chevrolet eating that cost right mm -hmm. bob and sandy were like clay cooley chevrolet they had their agency selling products for say chevrolet then overnight, they decided to be Chevrolet mm -hmm. and took out the loan to be Chevrolet to take on the mm -hmm. claims and mm -hmm. the everything all involved. So it literally is like a, a whole nother level. Yeah, I think it's important to explain because, uh, you know, 
in layman's terms, it's sort of like oh, people, I don't think, understand the gravity of what that was, especially coming from a place where you guys had a lot. What did you think when, um, when you realized that the two of you were going to be undertaking this endeavor? Well, of course, the first concern I had is where we're going to get the million dollars, which back then is what it took to start an insurance company in the state of Texas. So we got an appointment with the bank, and we went in, and Bob was his usual salesman self. <laughs> But he always told his salespeople know when to quit talking. Well, he was so excited when the guy said yes, he just kept talking and I kept yanking <laughs> on his leg. <laughs> so like, okay, okay. They said yes. And uh, so, but still anxious that we were had a million dollars because when you buy an insurance company, it can't hold the debt. You have to hold the debt. So then you had to sell to make the money for you to live on. So you had that anxiety. And then you had to make sure that the products that you were underwriting made a profit because you didn't have any extra money over here. So it was a little bit of anxiety for a while, but it wasn't long. He was very careful to sell products that would be profitable sure. within I, a year. I don't know if you catch anything in this story, Jenny, with the fact that he, the Bob, was it, I, I assumed um, in our first couple of years, no one said that Bob had been in insurance probably since he was nine. Me too. Right? No, he just thought. Three or four I'll years. I'll just do this. And he then. 41. At 41. I mean, that's. That is so impressive too, because I also think back, I think a lot of people now reinvent themselves in their <clears throat> 40s and their 50s and their 60s, but that's a newer trend. You know, yeah. I would say, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that, that, that maybe the, the generation that you were coming up with in the career world was a generation where you stay with the same thing forever. forever. Yes. He so was really he was, an outlier. Yeah. Yes. yeah. He had never had any experience in the insurance business. He had just known a gentleman who was successful that always told him he would be good at it. <laughs> he just saw a guy. He's yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. guy, he's doing good. <laughs> now, now, the interesting thing is that um, Sandy had been doing payroll for um, head of payroll for a company and then in payroll with IBM. And she was transferred to Dallas too. So it was like you have the the uh, you know numbers person, mm -hmm. the everything with books, and then you got the full blown salesperson to where you're going, um, hey, uh, no, no, we're not going to do that. Got to pull him back some, as you you know very well. Mm -hmm. You never have to pull me back. Oh at all, no, you? never. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that I think that's um, um, I'll speak for Bob, even though I didn't know him, is that I have a feeling that the the ability to take that leap, knowing that. His partner, who, you know, so they always say, nobody cares more about your business than you, right? And, and, and the only other is, is, is mm -hmm. when I say you, it's like if you're married, it's you, right? Mm -hmm. It's one. Yeah. That, and so to have that in the, the, the money's person, that, that, that deal with it, to take that leap was probably um, what helped comfort him to do so, I would assume. Well, I think he had enough self-confidence in himself that he could do it, but he knew I would help him protect what he did. Yeah. yeah. Let's put it that way. Mm. Now, in, I have a feeling that, uh, so the year in, let's just say 1981, 1991, I mean, y'all were just 10 years in and it's rolling. Um, Bob sounded like y'all got an NFC Farms where y'all had tons of racehorses y'all were doing. I mean, y'all, it was a big business, right? Well, we started out with miniatures and we were the largest breeder in the country. Yeah. And then he got out of that because we were traveling so much and it was beginning to interfere with the business. So he decided to get in the racehorse business. 
<laughs> they make so much money. You know? Yeah. Which they don't really, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, but you know, I had a restaurant in the Grand Cayman. Sound like Bob got into a lot of things after, you know, say, hey, look, yeah. and he invest in here and there after the business was going and growing. After it was going. I bring that up because in today's world, this serial entrepreneur is like this like new word yeah, of thing. Yeah, everybody people talk says about. that now. My personal opinion is, is when I hear that, that is somebody who really isn't doing anything. They're trying a bunch of little things and none of them work. I see, I saw way too many people come in that would try a little dabble and then move on to the next. You know, true, you know, uh, serial entrepreneur is, is a word that I believe is for a lot of these people that one thing doesn't work after another and they keep trying to build a persona. And I've always had a lot of people that would try to get into the insurance and they quickly start trying to do other stuff. And they'd be like, well, Heath, you do this or that. And I'm like, yes, but my business is solid. Um, I have a feeling that, um, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong, but would Bob have ventured into, you know, so if somebody's sitting there saying, oh, I need to venture into a lot of things, would he have ventured into other things if, his biz if, if y'all's business was not, y'all's main business that paid everything, not doing well? No. No, he would have never involved himself. Mm -hmm. He was totally business 24-7 until we got everything really rolling. And then he started getting some of the things he had always wanted to do. Yeah. He got uh, involved in. Oh, the, fun, yeah. the horses. Yeah, yeah, the fun stuff, the yeah. projects. I'm so curious to know if you and Bob knew somebody who had undertaken what you undertook by starting an insurance company before? Did you have a, a mentor or a, a guidance of some sort of class you took? No, unfortunately <laughs> not. We might not have been there, had we? Well, what, and what did they How tell you when y'all were filing for the insurance company? Because this is, goes to it. Is that well, they, in what, order to give it to them? Uh -huh. They said that they don't really like for a salesperson to own an insurance company because they usually don't watch their money as well. Because if they're a good salesman, they're an easy sell. Yeah. And so they were very concerned about that. And then my background was the opposite, which they interviewed me too, so I think that helped. And then we offered to hire who they recommended as president of our insurance company, so that helped us get passed by the State Board of Insurance. Oh, that's interesting. The state and, made them hire so that, I, I, Yeah, is that is that still legal? Can they still do that? Absolutely. Is that a thing? I in, 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 a, in an industry like an insurance company, is regulated uh -huh. as it is? Uh -huh. yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. It, it, when you look back, do you think, wow, that was wild that we just started that without knowing somebody or having a, a mentor or a, you know, having it be a family business or something? I think that comes from being young and hungry yeah. and eager and you just go for it. Yeah. I mean, understand, within seven years of starting in the insurance business, going out just selling door to door, he started, they started their own insurance company. I honestly assumed for a while that it was something that literally had been done like with me at 19. Yeah, or like you had both been selling for a long time yeah. or. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nope. That, that's, that's really exceptional, right? Um, you know, now, when you talk about with the lead, do you, did uh, Bob have lots of, did y'all sit down and do big business planning or did y'all just go? We Good just question. Went. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that that was the right choice or the only choice? Well, or? Obviously it was, turned out to be the it right sure choice. But, you know, when you don't have the money to do it and you start from scratch with nothing, you just go out and you just do it. 
uh-huh. Keith and I were talking about earlier today, I think the, the problem is that to be successful, I think, in any business, but particularly commission sales, you've got to say, I'm going to do this. If I have to go over it, under it, through it, I've got to do this. It's not, I'm going to try this. Huge difference. That mentality. Huge difference between yes. try and going to. Mm-hmm. Did you two ever waver where one person was kind of backing into the try mode, or were you both head, like, headstrong, we're going to do this? Well, I'd say that if anybody was the doubting Thomas, it was me, but it wasn't that strong. I really had faith that Bob could do it. Mm-hmm. I knew I could keep up with the numbers in, mm-hmm. and I knew he could sell, so I really felt confident, but you can't go out and borrow that kind of money without, back then, that was a lot of money. It's a lot of money anytime. Well, I know, yeah. but back yes. then, a million dollars was really a lot of money, and we'd already spent almost a million dollars on a home, so I was like, wonder I didn't die from ulcers over it. Uh-huh. But I just had faith, and like I said, we didn't ever say try. It was, sure. we're going to do this, sure. and then we found a way. And I think what, what's really crucial about that is that um, I'll, and, and I don't want this to come off as I am saying poo-pooing on business plans and all that, um, but in you know, uh, you'll never endure a how through tough times. You will always endure whys through tough times. And so sometimes you have a gut feeling or an instinct of something that you need to do and go do, and you convicted on it. That literally fixes almost a lot of things because there's a why. There's something that will get you through whatever that problem may be. Um, a lot of people will sit around and think things to death, business plan things to death. And, and, and look, I'm, it, I'll ask you, because I, I, I can speak for myself and my journey to this point, is that um, it would be much harder to take the leap if you knew what you were going to have to go through after the fact, right? Oh, I think that's always the case. <laughs> Hindsight's always better than foresight. Yeah, and so if you plan too much and see all of the stuff that can happen wrong, you may never make the leap, and 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 uh, you know uh, uh, Les Brown has the you know live full and die empty, and he talks about I want you to live a full life and you die with it all out of you. Don't don't sit there at 65, 70 and go, man, I never took the leap that I wanted to do because I was too scared and I saw too many problems ahead of me. Versus, we'll just figure it out. I really think Heath, that's one of the reasons that a lot of people aren't successful in the business world and particularly with their own business is because they can't pull the trigger. Yeah. You know, they plan and plan and they want and they want and they wish, but they don't take that leap of faith. They don't put it all on the table. Yeah. 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 And put themselves out there. It really is putting yourself out there because everybody knows, right? When you, when you, especially when you've already had success, I almost think it's, it's easier to to put it all on the table when you've got nothing to put out. But you did. It sounds like you you were both, you know, at least financially successful we were prior to this. Yeah. And then rocking and rolling, um, you know, and then somebody comes to you all with some great idea to, to, to make a good return that was seemed legit, had everything done, and um, the Ponzi scheme happened and, and took it all, and then unfortunately losing Bob right after that. And here you are set as a widow with a um, – in, in understanding the insurance company world reserves are your backup and the, the state requires you with those and these are like this is the to to pay the claims for future and they're all gone and 
her husband's gone. And this isn't a typical thing, because understand if you had a patent body business and you lost some money in it, then the government doesn't get involved in. And if you lost your, if you own the pot, the, the paint body and you lost in the Ponzi scheme, nobody's, it, nothing yeah. is, there's not Stress is much more when you're talking about reserves. Because everybody's involved. All the regulators are involved. Right. And, and then you can't just go away from it. You're going to be dragged into all of the court appearances because of the insurance company's money, et cetera, that uh, you had to go through and get drilled on that for the next year through court uh, deals to make sure y'all weren't really involved in it either, um, which y'all weren't, and this person's gone to jail. But um, then you've got to deal with that and, and show up on Monday morning back to work like nothing happened. That's right. Right? I mean, right. Um, I don't know if I can say I could suck it up and do that, um, but you did. And the company is still around. Y'all's legacy is still around 25 years later. Um, and for the people that are out there that maybe you're thinking about or maybe have had some tough ones or maybe some are sitting in that moment where they feel like it's all just like stopped and the hope is lost with the point that all of the things that happened, why me, right? Um, what, what, do you, what was it that made you decide to be able to strap up and forge through that on top of everything? Well, first of all, Heath, I was in a state of shock because it was an instant. His, uh, he had an aneurysm of the heart, so it was just like he was talking to me one second, the next he was gone. So I had no preparation for it, so I was in a state of shock. But when I knew that we had about 50 agents at the time, and I had the office staff, there was about 10 people plus family members, that depended on us, and I really never even thought about, I can't do this. I had to say, I've got to go to work Monday. I've got to prove to them that I'm there for them and that we're gonna be an ongoing company. And then I had to deal with the regulators, and uh, they gave me time to collect Bob's life insurance. And then that's what I used to save the company and get it turned around and back going. The life insurance is left to hopefully just take care of personally she had to use and dump all of it into it to try to save the insurance company. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because in the beginning you mentioned so much. Sandy, you're talking about Bob's dream. Bob's dream. And, and by this point, you, you, I mean, you're so fully invested and committed because it could have been very easy as a spouse. And I, don't, I think people would have understood if you would have said, look, I need my, I got to step back. I need my time. Well, I think they would have understood, Jenny, but. I would have lost everything and they would yeah. have lost everything. Yeah. So that's why I said I really didn't have an option. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, I had no option. I had to go to work. Mm -hmm. I had to show up on Monday and be there for everyone and prove that we can do this again. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> you sure, you know, you really, you, you sure did. I'm, I'm curious too about just the family aspect of this too, because it wasn't just the two of you there. You know, along along the way, were children to bring up and raise and, and care for. Well, fortunately, when he passed away, the kids were grown. Yeah, and they were all educated or had a job out on their own. So I got to enjoy the grandkids some, but probably not as much as I would have liked to have had. Yeah. But you know, sacrifices are what life's all about. Yeah, not that's a bowl true. Of cherries. That's true. How, how was it though when the when the kids were you know younger and in the home and you all were really pushing. Well, they, they paid a price for it. I, would, I wouldn't be honest if I said they didn't, but I think they were happy that we did because they certainly got to do a lot of things that they would never have gotten to done without it. Oh, but of course. Anytime both mother and father are involved in working, 
every day, and particularly at the beginning, 24-7, there was a lot they missed out on. But we tried to make it up to them. Yeah, you know, the way. I think there's sort of like this idea that sort of like have it all thing. So I appreciate your candor mm -hmm. in saying that, you know, there is sacrifice regardless. If if it would have been a sacrifice on the opposite end, if you had never stepped into the business, right? Or if, right. if you two had never no, taken that leap, that would have been a different type of sacrifice. Um, but I appreciate you being honest with it because I think it can be confusing for, you know, dads, I'm sure. But I think especially moms, like, how is she doing it? Like, well, how is she like this, you know, powerful career woman, but then also being doing doing everything for her kids? And so I think it's nice when sometimes somebody says, I, I wasn't there for everything. I was there for a lot, did my best, but you can't, uh, you can't be, be everywhere. Yeah, you can't be everywhere. But I think that they would sit down and tell you that they were happy that things worked out the way they did. Oh, of course. Yeah. What, uh, still in one of Jenny's questions that she had sent me, because um, I'm a thief like that. Um, <laughs> Best and worst part about in business with your husband and like a husbands and wives in business together. Best and worst parts. Well, I would say that I don't think a lot of people in this world can work together like Bob and I did. Oh, okay. And I'm not patting myself on the back. We just had a relationship where we could scream and yell at each other because we disagreed. Mm -hmm. But eventually he would convince me or I convinced him and it was about 50-50 that my suggestions would he would agree with me or the other 50 I would agree that he was better you have to air out if you have differences you have to air them out and we were fortunate enough that we could get them out and then go back because we were crazy about each other we had a very good marriage and I think that also had to do with our success mm -hmm. absolutely did you um was there ever a time that you think where you regretted y'all getting into business, like, like taking a leap? Was there like, can you think back of the times where it's like I, that you had regrets? I don't really think I could say that. Yeah. That's I would great. say if I re regretted anything, it was the fact that we had to be apart so much the first three years that we were married because he was out hiring and on the road. And for the first year and a half, I still worked for IBM and I worked at night in the office and on weekends with him. And then he wanted me to quit IBM so that we could spend more time together. So, you know, sure, I'd love to have those hours and days back, but there's nothing worth having that you're not going to pay a sacrifice for. Yeah. So true. <laughs> so, so true. And I just, you know, I think even the more enviable part as you talk about, you guys were crazy about each other. <laughs> mm -hmm. What? It, not a lot of people get to say that. That's yeah. true. You know, that's a sad thing to say. But, you know, the fact that you were able to have that, you know, great relationship and then and then work together like that, I think is really unique. Special. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think about the regret because I think a lot of people, um, um, you know, I didn't I didn't prep you with that question. So that's to know that's truly not still because I think that. Um, if you're sitting there tying between jumping or not, I hear more, I know of more people that regret not doing totally. what they wanted than even anything else. Whenever you even look at it to where um, everything that happened, good and bad, there would be a bigger regret of the not taking the leap. Oh. There's no question about that, Heath. And there would have been no regret at all. It's just since I lost him so young, 
then I look back and I think, oh, God, if I could just have those extra yeah. three years of being with yeah, him yeah, all the yeah. time. I mean, that's human nature. Yeah. But, no, I wouldn't give up a minute of us working together and the things that we accomplished. It was very, very rewarding. And I think we influenced, we had a positive influence on a lot of people's lives. I've had people that haven't worked for us for 20, 25, 30 years come by and tell me what a great influence that Bob and I were on their lives. And that's worth it all. It's, it's worth very it. hard Routine. to describe. Yeah. Can, can you talk about the responsibility that it is? I, want, I think when people are considering becoming an entrepreneur, going out on their own, the responsibility that it is to hold other people's jobs in your hands. It's a big responsibility. And that was the main thing that, that I think that, you know, yeah, I got knocked down by Bob's debt, but I had to pick myself up because there were a lot of people who helped us. No one gets where they want to go by themselves. Yeah. But we tried to form the company with the motto, you get where you want to go by helping others get where they want to go. So therefore, I felt like I had an obligation to all those people that had come along the journey with us to go back and go to work and try to get things going again. Well, I, I got to say that thanks for coming in and, and telling this, because I know like even that part of the story, that can't be easy. That's not an easy, you know, it's not an easy thing to, to, to even relive, to go back to or, 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 or to talk about. But I, I want to thank you for it because I do believe it will help. I believe it helps people that are listening right now to know that it wasn't pink and petal roses and everything you got now. What, you know, everybody, the heathism every, making up yeah, the, yeah, the rose-colored glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't think of it. Uh, I love you. The good thing is, is that, um, that, but because when they see now what you got mm -hmm. and how it is, oh, I want that. But they don't know what it took, took. That's right. for that. And that's a crucial difference. So I, I hope that if you were listening to this story that you, um, if you want to take that leap that you can hear the, the sometimes you can overthink it. And, and sometimes... And if this is that sign for you, um, just do it. If you can, if you just go out there and do it, there's so many things you'll figure out. And honestly, there's a lot of things that are going to happen to you. You're not going to, you don't want to know what's going to happen because it would be harder to take the leap. But I can promise you, um, and like Sandy talked about, somehow way you figure out a way through it. Uh, over, under, through, top, around. And then um, if you're going through something that's bad happened that you thought you were everything was in the clear you're on a deal and, and you feel like a, a semi truck has hit you and, and it's maybe you have lost money maybe you've lost relationships maybe um it's not death it's separations in ways that you can't come back from it um that it's tough it sucks nobody is going to act like it doesn't but you do have a choice you can make to go i'm going to be the exception to the rule um and not the other um, and that you can forge through whatever that may be if you just strap it up and do it. Now, the cool thing is I want you all to make sure and tune in next week. We're going to have another part of Cindy because there's a whole other part of the story. Obviously, there's 25 more years left of the company, but there's even some more interesting um, big reveals going to come that why Sandy is here today as well that you're not going to want to miss, right? Shout out to the NFC Life Story. Yes, yes. next week is going to be so much fun. Sandy, thanks for coming today. We're going to have you back next week because we've got another part of the story to tell, right? And, um, but glad to be back with you, my dear. You too, babe. Yeah, I mean, and, we see each other uh, outside back of the, the studio. show. <laughs> back in the studio. Back in the studio. It feels good to be back, back in the studio. We're back, back in the saddle, I know. Yeah. And I'm excited for next yeah. week's episode too. This is going to be 
Uh, I think like a big revelation for a lot of people. Absolutely. Tune in. Make sure you don't forget to tune in. Um, and leave us a rating review. You know I love to shame people about that, so just do it. You're yeah. listening, do it. Share it. Please share this episode. If you get some value out of this, share this episode with friends and family, um, and they can find us all online. Where they, where That's can they right, secondshotpodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram at secondshotpodcast, facebook.com slash groups slash secondshot if you want to hang out with us, and, um, and we may even give you a little teaser about what's coming up next week. Guys, love y'all. We'll see you next time.